Hello, Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to this very special episode of the Empire Podcast, dedicated to the living legend that is Kurt Russell. He's played all kinds of iconic figures in his illustrious five-decade career. There's Elvis. There's Snake Plissken. R.J. McCready from The Thing. Cash from Tango and Cash. Or is it Tango from Tango and Cash? I can never quite remember. There's Stuntman Mike. There's Jack Burton, to name but... Two, three, four, five, six. Six. To name but six. And now we can add Santa Claus to the list. Russell stars as Santa in The Christmas Chronicles, which is out now on Netflix and is a lovely slab of feel-good, slightly cheesy Christmas fun. But we all know there's one reason why we're watching it, because Kurt Russell is playing Santa with his Elvis swagger intact, I've long had Russell on my Christmas list for the show, and when he came to London recently, someone checked a list, they checked it twice, they found out if I was naughty or nice, and they gave me the green light to have an audience with the great man. And so here it is, a lovely 30 minutes or so, in which Russell explains why he felt he had to play Santa, his connection to the role, what Christmas is like round the Russell Goldie Hawn household, and how he unleashed his inner Elvis in one particular scene. Then we brought things out to talk about how his approach to acting has changed in the 57 years he's been in the game and talk about his great collaboration with John Carpenter on Escape from New York and The Thing. Usually I start these interviews with a big introduction of the guest to the guest's face, but as Kurt and I, Kurt, my old friend Kurt, were already chatting away when I pressed record, this one starts in media res with a bit of John Carpenter chat. So don't let that throw you too much. In fact... Let me try and make this more like a normal pod by saying, Delighted to be joined on the Empire Podcast by the star of the Christmas Chronicles, the legendary Kurt Russell. How are you, sir? And now we can go. Please do enjoy. I tell you what, you should listen to the new, uh, they've they've revamped the Escape from New York. Oh, really? Oh, there's a bit where the drums kick in. Oh, it's amazing. It's good, huh? It's amazing. (laughs) It's good stuff. I could lose my shit talking about this all day. (laughs) He's he's just such a creative guy, uh, and he has such a distinctive look on the world, you know? Yeah. And it translates to his filmmaking and music and... Well, he's a talented guy. He's a very, you know, he's obviously a very laid back, iconic yeah. guy as well. And, mm-hmm. you know, was he always like that? Whenever you guys were, yeah. you first hooked up on on Elvis, yeah. and yeah, he's got a lot of. It, it's really interesting. He's got a lot of energy, but he's very. Uh, what's the word? He's he's, uh, you know, he's where he's from. I guess he's from. Is it Bowling Green? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, but his his uh, knowledge and his education are. Pretty steep, yeah. And he, you know, he he just had this ability to put it into his work. Yeah, yeah. He could create. He can create stories, and he can create visions and and uh, and sounds. And you know, I just I, I every once in a while, I'd, when we were working together, well, it didn't make any difference what it was. I just every once in a while, I'd notice the the camera and, and the angle that it was at and the view that it was projecting and so i'd go behind the camera and look look at it you know i mean when the stand-ins were in there yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Say, yeah. If, and it was you know i just say that's just that's just different it's just it's just his <laughs> it's just his view of what it is and he was just 
But he's just such. A, I just really, yeah, you know, I love the guy. He's just he's, a great person. He's amazing. Uh, yeah. We'll we'll get on to your work with him in, in detail. I'm, I'm sure soon. But I want to talk about this film first, yeah. The Christmas Chronicles, because. You know, you started off, well, you didn't start off. Obviously, you started off kicking Elvis a few years ago in, in your career. But you played Elvis years ago. And you must have thought, that's it. That's as iconic as it can possibly get. And then along comes Santa Claus, yeah, yeah. which must have been fairly unexpected. You, you, it's really, that's a, that's very much the way I looked at it. It was, um, I don't think, I mean, certainly the most iconic character I'll ever play is probably Santa Claus. Because I'm not going to play <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm not going to do Muhammad. <laughs> I'm not going to do Buddha. I mean, who's been around for 1,700 years? I'll give Elvis time. (laughs) Yeah, give Elvis time. Will Elvis make 1,700 years? I don't, you know, they they won't even, you know, there's no way to look at any uh, person who was a real person, who was born, lived, Mm. created uh, a legend, created a, a, a mythical stance, and the lore that surrounds Santa Claus. Um, is literally 1,700 years old. They're, they're, yeah. they're, I thought, wow, what an opportunity. I, 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 I was fascinated by my own interest in learning about St. Nicholas, which I kind of continue to want to do. Um, and, and, and to put it in the light of, of a Chris Columbus, Harry Potter slash a Home Alone feeling yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, was, I thought, just right. I was really excited about meeting with Clay Cadis and Chris when I read it because I, I, our family is really steeped in Christmas history. Santa Claus is a big deal in our family. Uh, and, and, you know, ever since we were kids, mm-hmm. I've, uh, you know, Goldie and I have continued that in our family and it continues on through our children. Uh, and so I, I looked at this as, as, uh, wait a minute, let's really talk about this for a second. And let's, let's talk about what, you know, what, where, where, where is this guy at? Where, where's he coming from? Where's he at? Mm. And I don't want to blow this opportunity. I wanted to. <laughs> I, I don't want to. I don't want to miss this. You know? Well, it must be an intriguing prospect for an actor as well. Very few people have played Santa Claus. Yeah. So to put, you, you get a real chance to go. Okay, this is mine. I'm making it my own. Uh, it's fair to say that I look at it as wanting to do a definitive version. Yeah. And any anytime I've played anybody who was real, an exist, you know, a person who existed, I did always feel the obligation to try to capture at least the essence of who that person really was. Yes. And certainly if you're going to do Elvis, uh, especially uh, as uh, at the timing of it, it was, it was only a year and a half after he died. That project was already underway mm. uh, when Elvis was still alive. And I've done, you know, Herb Brooks, I met him. Uh, he, oh my God, yeah. uh, unfortunately, he, you know, uh, tragically died mm. um, before we, before he saw, he was never able to see the, the finished product. Yeah. Uh, but a heavy obligation to capture the essence of Herb, and I felt that way about Santa Claus, not not a comic book character, no, not not a character that you're that you're inventing or creating. This is an iconic individual who I felt uh, an obligation to learn something about and and say, well, okay, in the light and, and tone of 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 what Christmas is and what he means to Christmas what would be the right thing to bring to this character? And one of the things was 
he has an intimidating presence. I mean, whenever I was dressed up and in my full regalia, ready to go, (laughs) and children might pass by, or they did exactly what I felt when I was their age. And remember, which was I was fascinated by Santa Claus. I would anybody who looked like that, I wanted to look at. But if it was. Even if it was a mall Santa, it's like when you got close, you, your eyes started diverting down. Yeah. You couldn't yeah. look at him. You couldn't really. He was a presence. There was an intimidation factor there that I didn't want to not have. I yeah. thought that that was important in this. And and uh, and right off the bat, that's what you you, you kind of get this guy who he knows who he is. He <laughs> loves who he is. He loves what he does and what he gets to do. But we do find out through the process of watching these uh, two kids uh, deal with him in yeah. this situation they're in, uh, learn about you know who 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 they who they who they who this guy is really. I mean, they spend the night with yeah with uh, that guy, and it's a sort of role. I mean, I I can just imagine you just having so much fun. I you did. Look, you looked like you're having a lot of fun. I did, and I thought it was important to look right. You know, it yeah. was important to have the image right. And then I started thinking about the sound, and I thought, wait a minute. He 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 speaks every language. This was the stuff that we actually brought to the to the existing screenplay. There was no Elvish dialogue. Oh, really? Okay. I said, Wait a minute. You know, they they live in their own world. They would speak their own. They've got they've got their own language. Yeah. He would certainly speak it. Yeah. But you know, when he's dropping off presents in China, he's speaking Chinese. When he's in, you know, <laughs> when he's in Thailand, he's speaking Thai. When he's yeah. in Mexico, he's speaking Spanish. And yeah. when he's in France, he's. Uh, He's speaking French. And when he's over in America? When he's, he's in America, he's he's speaking <laughs> slang American, too. You know, he knows all these things. Thank you. He he, he knows all these things. Yeah, he knows. Yeah. I mean, if he knows when you're awake and he knows when you're asleep, if he knows you when, you, when you're being good or when you're being bad, he know, he, know, he not only knows every street in the world, he knows every everything. And uh, it was it was important to kind of start looking at it that from that point of view start looking at it really from the point of view i always looked at it from the point of view of the two kids but mainly teddy mm. who's like 15, 14 15 yeah. yeah uh in a difficult time in his life relationship with his father which was by the way played by oliver hudson who's my my son my stepson yeah. so it was yeah. exciting for me to to have him yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. do that but to look at it from his point of view here's a guy who's lost not only is he in this difficult period in his life dealing with the, his father um, and the issues that uh, that that brings about, uh, won't, won't go into it in detail so I don't wreck it. But uh, at that time in your life, to 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 be confronted with the reality of something you've completely tossed away—that that Santa Claus is a real person. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I always thought that was key. Like yeah. If I looked at if I if that happened to me, my my whole belief system and what I think I know would be shot out the window. Yeah, of course. Uh, so and in a wonderful way. So. <laughs> no, it's lovely, heartwarming stuff, and you get this lovely uh, moment as well. Where you get to rock out. I think we can give that away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I matter of fact, that came about because Chris and I were. I felt that, and we and we talked about that in our initial meeting that there was a, a point in the movie where he was, you know, Santa's in jail, mm-hmm. and. Um, he wasn't really doing anything. And I said, that's not really right. He can't be just, we can't, even though I have this idea, which I had to go into about why he's letting certain things happen. Yeah. Uh, and why he's steering things a certain way, unbeknownst to us. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he must be active and doing something. And, and, 
and both Chris and I had the same feeling, which was there's music here somewhere. <laughs> this, this is where there should be music and he should be a part of it. And it should be a fun scene uh, that is sort of a classic thing. And, and yeah, we want, yeah. and we talked about all the different angles we could have fun with it. And we came, started coming down to it and, we had, uh, a, you know, three, four ideas that we were tossing around. Chris found this great song that was so apropos. The lyrics were apropos. The whole thing was apropos to Santa's situation mm-hmm. that Elvis had that Elvis had done a recording of. And, yeah, because I had played Elvis and there was some, you know, <laughs> connecting of the dots that could be kind of a, a fun. Yeah. Uh, it was the right thing to do. Uh, I, I, it became, it was a, it was, look, it's, it's a great th- idea to have an idea. And then you've kind of, you know, look out, you just might get what you wish for. Now you got to do it. And thank God for me, for, for, for uh, Stevie Van Zant because he, he just came through and fly, it, it, you know, flying colors. Uh, he, he did that. He, you know, he put the music together and made me feel very, very comfortable and, you and, like and confident to have some fun, you know. Yeah. And it was in, in the context that it was done in the playfulness with Elvis, yeah. it was something that I could, could feel confident with. And, Absolutely. Uh, it is fun. It is oh, a yeah. really fun scene. And he does get Christmas spirit going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It really does. Is there an uh, alternative universe where you know Kurt Russell is a, a music megastar with 10 platinum number one albums <laughs> hanging on the wall of the homestead? <laughs> that would be nice to believe. <laughs> that's, a fun, that's a fun thought. <laughs> You've never, you've never been tempted to. Well, it, it. It's, if it's taking place, it's taking place in an altered universe. Not Have you mine. no idea what's happening? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I might be surprised, but ha- happily so. Okay. Yeah, I, I like everybody else. That has to be for everyone a daydream, at least. You know, yeah. to be on stage and to be able to perform. You know, to yeah. be able to make music, to be able yeah. to sing, to be able to create that. Yeah. I can't, can't say that I don't have that daydream. That would be, that, that, that would be very fun. Well, technically speaking, this song could be released. For <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You know, Christmas number one over here is a big thing, Kurt. It's a big thing. It's big in our house. I can see you coming uh, back, you performing know. on the um, top of the pops or, or whatever don't, it is. Uh, don't hold your breath. <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, you mentioned there that uh, Christmas has been a big thing for you all, all through the years. And in what way, what's a typical Christmas like down at the, uh, the Russell Well, what household? we do, and we're getting ready, you know, at this time of the year, as soon as you get past, like, Halloween, it's kind of like you're, you're, you're starting to get close. Because there's a tremendous pressure on getting great presents, you know. I can imagine there is. I mean, there really is. I mean, we start thinking about, you know, who's who needs what, who wants what, and then hints start flying around <laughs> behind people's backs and a lot of conversations. Uh, you're, 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 you know, you're headed for a lot of fun. What we do is we go to uh, Colorado. We've had a ranch there for a long time. And Goldie and I usually get there a little bit early. The place is all decorated uh, it's fantastic. It's a fantastic setting. I gotta say, it's just in the in the Rockies, and it's beautiful. Mm. And then all the kids come. All the grandkids will be there. All some friends come. Uh, like I said, there's a lot of uh, a lot of clandestine conversations about you know <laughs> what have you heard, and um, and then you know uh, we on Christmas Eve we trim the tree uh-huh. and. Uh, that, that, that you know, that's where it starts is picking the great tree, and we've got a you know great uh, 
living room window that looks out over the mountains. The perfect place to put the tree. It's all good. <laughs> and the house, like I said, it's just all decorated to the nines and uh, very, right. very, very festive. And on Christmas Eve, uh, you know, we, we uh, have a big a Christmas Eve dinner. Uh, and then the kids all jump into their kind of specialty Christmas uh, pajamas. Yeah. And uh, the fire's going in the fireplace. Then we hang the stockings, and and then we uh, it was getting dark, and we uh-huh. we sit down. And uh, our tradition is to ha- we always pick someone that year to read. Twas the night before Christmas. Oh my God! And uh, generally, you know, shortly thereafter, within a, <laughs> within a five ten minute period, don't be surprised if you hear sleigh bells. And if you do, <laughs> you just might look out the window and maybe out there in the snow catch a glimpse of what looked like maybe there he is. Oh my God! One one year, he actually peeked his peeked his head in our front door, and everybody turned around. We we you know the kids saw him and they completely panicked. And because you're supposed to be asleep, if you're not asleep, not asleep. when Santa comes by. You know, you may get nothing. He may, you yeah. know, you may wake up and there's coal there, or, coal. or he, you know, he may just pass on past your house. Yeah. You know, uh, so it's panic time, complete pandemonium. They run upstairs, jump in bed real quick. And uh, then, of course, th- the next morning is to me one of the maybe the best morning of the year when, when the lights are out and there's just a couple on that are a nice soft glow in the living room and outside that's just beginning to maybe come daylight. Mm. And, uh, the snow is on the ground, and and there's this beautiful sight of the, the stockings stuffed and oh, yeah. Santa presents underneath that, and mixed with uh, lots of presents coming out from <laughs> under the tree, and the and it's uh, generally a full day of of uh, you know it's the one day of the year that we do that. We Christmas Christmas is really a big thing, whereas birthdays we observe. Yeah, but it yeah. might be a one present from one person. Sure, each, sure. You know, so it's yeah. not a not a big huge deal. Whereas this is. You know, let's face it. We got a big family, and everybody's getting everybody's you know at least one or two things. <laughs> so the present giving so, alone yeah, takes three hours. It, it's oh, yeah. oh no, three hours is uh, yeah. Like Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> no, no, it's, it goes well, well, well into the late afternoon. Oh my god! So it's a it's a big deal in our house. Yeah. And then this year you're going to be watching the Christmas Chronicles. Get everyone around. Well, we're going to do that on the 18th uh, in Los Angeles. There is a there is a premiere, and for the first time ever. And I mean, I'm talking about 57 years of, of of being in this business. For the first time ever, I'm I'm letting everybody know that they want to come to this one <laughs> because there's some there's actually a lot of references uh, okay. that only my family will fully appreciate. Okay. <laughs> even I, I, even the guys. I mean, there's going to be some hoots and hollers that even Chris and Clay and Monica <laughs> and and the kids, uh, you know. Uh, uh, Judah and Darby, what, like, what was that? Why, you know, why were they? Who's screaming over there? What? There, there's, there's, there's some things that nobody knows about it except for those family members. So I can't wait for them to see it. That's incredible. Uh, so you've been doing this 57 years, as yeah. you said. Uh, over the years, has has your style and has your approach to acting changed? It must have changed over those those decades. Yeah, there were. I've gone through different periods of like being interested in different, uh, slightly different approaches. I mean, I think. I've always concentrated. I've always concentrated on trying to be the character, just behave the character as as it best serves the story. Mm-hmm. But be as entertaining as you can, be as creative as you can. 
but then specifically, yeah, every once in a while I'd go through different things. Like I, I, I remember when I was doing the travels of Jamie McFeeders, I was 12 years old and I'd seen three or four shows and I really didn't like what I, I didn't like what I was doing. And the reason I didn't like it was because it was going against my instinct. Mm-hmm. Now that's, that was just me getting, trying to find comfort in l- learning how to, uh, take direction. Mm-hmm. And and then translate it well. I could take the direction, but I couldn't. I, 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 and the apparently to the naked eye, uh, that being not my eye, <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it looked at least good enough for them to say print and move on. But I could see this tightness and uncomfortableness within myself, and I just remember literally going to work one day and saying, "I'm not doing that anymore." And so whenever they directors, especially. Now, I'm playing a character that we did 26 shows of, and the writing is what the writing is. Yeah, I, knew, yeah. I knew who the character of Jamie McFeeders was. This is, uh, it was a Western. Yeah. And uh, I'd started in the process of doing it my way, as it were. But that wasn't fully realized until I did Elvis. And I said, I ha-, and I told John, because I'd been cast already, and John came on as the director. He, he was already saddled with an actor. <laughs> you know, it was really, I really was interesting. Yeah, uh, that's very rare. And yeah. he was game. And uh, he saw my, he saw the tape that I'd done for yeah. the people. I told him, I said, John, you know, this is just one of those things. I just got to do this. I, I, I have to just do this my way. We have to speak. We have to learn to speak in shorthand. Yeah, uh, you know, to where you say a little more, a little less. And that's about it. You know, for me. And he said, I totally understand, and I get, I get it, you're right. And we got there very quickly. I just really try, I, I, I instantly trusted him. I don't, I, it, was very, it was very unique. And, um, and after that, which was the first time I just completely just did it my way. Okay. I said, that's okay. From now on, I'll talk, I'll listen, I'll, I'll, I'll try. And, I'll, and, and it's my job to try to bring the director's vision mm-hmm. to the screen. I get that. But within that, I have to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. And if I can't get comfortable, then there's going to be then going to be a problem because I can't get if I can't get past that to mm-hmm. do what you need to have done. I've got to find a way that I'm comfortable with that qualifies for what it is you're looking for. Okay. And then there was that long period of time, and then got you know then there's times where I'd say I don't really want to know my uh, my I don't want to know this thing so well that I. I don't have to search um, within the within the process of doing it. I, I, I want to have the character search for uh, what he's trying to say or what he what he's trying to uh, get across. Mm-hmm. And so there was a time where I didn't really want to know my lines that well. I wanted to know them, but I wanted them to sort of come to me okay. rather than just having them. There. When, when was that period roughly? Um, I guess that was about twenty years ago. Okay. And uh, and then I learned from that what I wanted to learn, and you know as you get older you just finally get to it. I, I you know I finally got to a place where I just you know uh, I'm going to just take this part. I understand what it is, and then I'm going to work with the actors and work with the director. I'm just sit basically and listen and do, and you, you don't think anymore. You know you don't think. Yeah. You just you're just doing it, and. Uh, when you get there, then you know you're you're not watching yourself. That's that's a big thing when you when you when you 
I never really did a lot of that, but when, I, but when I'm guilty of it, yeah. I, I freeze. I just say, eh. "Oh, really?" I just okay. hey, whoops, room full of mirrors here, guys. I'm, that's, I'm, I'm doing I'm doing nothing but watching myself here. Really, really, what not to, where not to be? Yeah. Does your approach change with the director? For example, are you a absolutely? Are you a different actor on a Tarantino absolutely. set? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. In what way? Absolutely. Oh, it depends on him or her. Yeah. It, they're the captain of the ship. It is their show. It's their mm-hmm. movie. It's their yeah. vision. I've been on quite a few that um, that didn't really exist. There wasn't really a vision. When that gets bad enough, then because of the amount of experience I've had and with the people that I've had them with in terms of learning, you have to step in. That's just what has to happen because the project needs that. And it's really not that difficult a thing to do if you're in the right position and if you're starring in the show. And mm-hmm. the reason mm-hmm. we're doing this is because you said yes, then you are in that position. I think that that has to remain quiet. <laughs> it's not a good thing, you know. Uh, and you have to do it. Uh, you have to do it stylishly and uh, correctly. It's. It's. I, I don't. I, that's. That's. A, that's. Those are rough moments. To you know, they're rough experiences. Uh, but when a director really does have a vision and you're in cahoots with it, generally, what I find is you can just be as creative as you want to be because you're both. You're. You're all headed down the same train track you're all yeah. you're all going in the same direction yeah. this and generally those experiences are extremely positive and the and the and the result is generally really really good i mean i i'm i'm drawn back towards um escape from new york in, in a way because working with john again and there must have been a moment i guess on elvis where the two of you thought hang on this isn't just working this is really working we want to do this again yeah there was um yeah i i'm, I'm sure that there were people that I had worked with or that John had worked with that he had, you know, really good feelings about or that I had really good feelings about, but I never had worked with somebody in a, in a, I, first of all, I'd never done it my way. I'd never completely just said, I'm doing this. And there was a freedom there. I think that both of us found with each other. I, I, I never thought, I never even had one thought about John as a director, like, is that right? Or is that, you know, is that what we're supposed to be? Is that what we're supposed to be doing here? Is that help, helping things? Or I never had one thought. It was just that's. Was just, I was just going to do what John wanted to do, mm. and I don't. I don't. I mean, John, in ter- terms of directing, I, I maybe four times in our life that he might have come up to me and talked to me for ten seconds. <laughs> you know, because we saw it the same. He, he and he gave me this great freedom to create the character. Snake Plissken was just he. he what was on paper appealed to me as an actor to yeah. create to to try to bring to life what i thought it said and when i suggested to, he, he'd asked me what do you think what, what do you think you should look like what do you think you should wear he was asking me these things and it was like and i had answers very much like this i think that's that and then when i went to him and said i also think you should have an eye patch and he, said, he laughed and he said oh 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 <laughs> okay he said nobody's worn an eye patch since john wayne and true grit <laughs> And I said, okay, I don't even know anything. He said, great. I said, you know, it's like somebody said he's, it's to me, it's, he said, you know, I don't want to get into why, but why? And I said, I think there's something wrong with his eye. Something happened, like Uh radiation Uh or something got in there during the war. And it's just, it's a constant, it's a constant pain that he's gotten used to, but it's there. And, um, or maybe we find out that, you know, he has an electronic eye under there or something. Who knows what? <laughs> and he laughed and he said, oh, I like the way that looks. He said, and he was great with it. And then the only thing left for me on the snake was what he sounded like. And when he cast, I didn't, because I didn't know where I was going to go with that. Mm. And um, 
when he cast Lee Van Cleef, I said, "Oh, <laughs> I see what we're doing. I got it. I know what to do. I know what to do. Yeah, uh, I know exactly now." And then, and then that was, and then we did the first scene, and I'll never forget this because this was it really was talk about a, a director making an actor feel confident. We didn't rehearse anything. We didn't do anything. We shoot the first scene, which was a scene that was eventually cut out of the movie. It was the very beginning of the movie. It was a train sequence where he's robbing a. Uh, he robbed a national. It was a, yeah, a bank, wasn't it? it was, well, yeah, it was a yeah. bank. It was a well, credit cards. It was yeah. only credit cards. Yeah, yeah. And he has one line to the guy. He says, uh, "Congratulations, you're a millionaire." To the to the character that he's that he's robbing the bank with. And I did that. You know, I I, I remember. You know, it's the first time I'm going to say anything. It was congratulations, you're a millionaire. <laughs> and, and I got looking cut, and John comes over and he goes. This fucking character is going to be great. <laughs> and I just was like, oh, good, you know, because I didn't know. Maybe John coming up, well, okay, what are we doing here? You know, um, it was always just that way with uh, John. I just, uh, he made me feel always yeah. comfortable, excited about doing everything that we were going to mm-hmm. be doing and just. Yeah, we're just a couple of kids having fun. I mean, that's, that's sort of the way it was. That's know? amazing. And actually, that's, that's, that kind of was what I was uh, going to ask about, where, where that confidence comes from, that you can do something like a Clint Eastwood impression. He got, you know, yeah, he got or, the, well, first of yeah. all, with John, there was, I didn't have to explain the fun of it, the inside of yeah. it. You know, at that time, Clint Eastwood was not quite the icon that he became, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> it was just my, it was like, oh, this is going to work with Lee Van Cleef in a, in a really interesting way, but I had a whole movie to do without Lee Van Cleef, you know. So it made, they had to make sense for it had to make sense for Snake. Um, the tattoo we we'd done some pre movie promotion for probably get money for the movie, um, and I said I think on the arm it's just kind of too conventional. He said, "What do you think?" And I said, "I think it should be a big cobra right down his stomach and going down his pants." And he went, "Yeah, that's good." <laughs> and and but was always. What was always inspiring for me with John, whatever that was, whether it's The Thing or Big Trouble in Little China, whatever, it's his set. It, it, it was his set. The same is true for Tarantino. There are these guys who inspire you just by the way you feel on the set. They, yeah. they so know what they're doing. They so know what they want that, they, that the day is just to be enjoyed. They both have great crews. Uh, I mean, really top-notch, great people who love doing what they do. They, I just think that he, they have, they both have a way of putting unique casts together that uh, are all, all there for the right reasons. Mm. And uh, and when you see their movies, you you kind of get that feeling. There's some oddball choices that work fabulously. They just know, you know, what they're doing. Yeah, which and, is yeah, that's what yeah, gives you confidence. So rare, it's yeah. like, well, hey, if they know what they're doing, I'm just gonna I'm gonna <laughs> roll with this here, and uh, you know, let's feel let's let's feel good. Obviously, at the moment, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is making a big splash, returning to a, a, a mm. role that she made famous in a John Carpenter movie 40 years ago, mm. which made me think that maybe maybe you could do that with there's Snake. Jack Burton is still on the table. You know what? There's a big Trouble Little China sequel the, in the works. Yeah, the thing is that we, we did do one sequel for Escape. Um, it's the only one I've ever done. There was a three-part there was a there was a thing I did early on with Disney where there were three movies that all took place at Medfield College, uh-huh. and the character was Dexter Riley. But yes. there was no character there. He was just a guy. He was just a <laughs> you know he was a college student. Yeah. So, you now with me, I I I prefer 
to go from Snake to R.J. McCready mm-hmm. to Jack Burton and create these people, to go to The Hangman, to go to, you know, uh, Stuntman Mike, uh, to go to Rudy Russo mm-hmm. and use cars. I wanted to go to different people so that I could end up maybe someday going to Santa Claus. Because if you keep doing Snake, you don't get to do Santa Claus. If you keep doing <laughs> Rudy Russo, you don't get to do uh, Snake. Yeah. You know, I, I that was where I felt my bread was buttered um, because it would keep my interest going and my fascination with what this business has to offer. And it was to challenge myself to the fun of creating as many characters as I could. Well, uh, I wish you all the best uh, in the you. future. And I wish you all the best for your, your, your Christmas as well. Thank and you. I think I know what we could get you as a Christmas present. The uh, the thing board game. Have you have you heard of this thing? No, no, I it's heard amazing. Of it. There's a whole it board game. Yeah, I haven't played it yet, but it's it looks incredible. You're, uh, you're a board game that's guy, cool. Kurt. I am. I kind of do like that stuff. It's been oh. fun over the years to see these some of these pictures uh, that uh, we did uh, have a whole life that takes off. You know, takes yeah. off um, because we liked them when we were doing them. You know, <laughs> we, we, we did. We, we thought they were just a blast to do. And so it's fun to see that happening with, man, whatever, with whatever it is. I think it's fun to watch that happen. Oh, fantastic. Well, maybe we can make that work out for you. Yeah. Get one sent out to you. Uh, in the meantime, I have to say this to you. Uh, let's just sit here for a little while and see what happens. <laughs> that was, that's very interesting because that was, we talked about that for three weeks. <laughs> that, John, that scene. That scene. Where do we go with that scene? Because John said, I don't want to take him on a two-hour ride and come right back to where we started. And I, after we'd go, we tried many different versions. And uh, the last one was like, he said, what, where, what do you got? We <laughs> do that every day. What do you got? <clears throat> and we'd break it down and go, eh, that's not. But I said, I think this is, I think where we're at here is this. Is that this is what this story is. is there's, there's, there's no way to know. <laughs> and so why don't we just we, he's got a I think I have a flamethrower on him he has a gun on me or the other way around I have a gun one of us has got a gun one yeah. of us has got a flamethrower we both got a way to kill each other one's got a bottle of whiskey that's for sure one's yeah <laughs> and uh, and the camps and, the, and it's gonna be cold here soon and yeah. that thing's gonna freeze and if it freezes it's one so that's not gonna happen <laughs> but uh, what are we gonna do well and that was what I, that's all I had to say was, let's just wait and see what happens. It's amazing. Knowing the shit that John went through to get that ending in, uh, you know, yeah. actually on screen is, yeah. is incredible. Yeah. It's, yeah. That's a, that's primarily basically living on that set. Yeah. I think it was 28, 29 degrees inside. God. And we were up there for so long that that felt like 50. <laughs> we come in, we'd come in and take all our coats off and everything for about 45 minutes to, you know, it's bracing to, you know, to, to, to warm up, uh, yeah, those are great memories. Uh, I'll be a great time. Yeah, John Carpenter. Wow, he's. Uh, I, I, I. There was a book they they wanted me to write something for. It was a mm-hmm. big trouble in Little China, and I remember thinking, I want to write the right thing, and I tried to, and I said, when it when it comes to big trouble in Little China, for instance, but this was true for all. I think all things that John did. Uh, I, I, as Jack Burton would say, I got, I got, you know, I got three words for you. John Carpenter, John Carpenter, John Carpenter. <laughs> those were his worlds. You know, he created those worlds. They were his worlds. He, yeah. And, um, we were all of us fortunate enough to play in it. Oh man. Kurt Russell, I could talk to you all day, but I will let you go. Thank it's been you. a pleasure. All Thanks right. so much. Thank it's you. good talking to you. Cheers. And that was a great Kurt Russell. And I didn't even ask about Tango and Cash or Backdraft. So we'll have to get him back in one day. Maybe for Christmas Chronicles 2. 
And that is it from this very special edition of the Empire Podcast. The regular pod is up every Friday. If you don't already subscribe, please do so. And please say nice things about us on iTunes, which always helps. Look out for more specials coming your way as well over the coming days and weeks. Until we meet again, I've been Chris Hewitt. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. <laughs>